BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello there, everyone. Judge Napolitano here on Judging Freedom. Today is Thursday, January 13th, 2022. I'm happy to have with me uh, two longtime friends, intellectual and ideological uh, colleagues. Jeff Deist is the president of the Mises Institute. He's also a very fine and well-accomplished tax lawyer and a superb libertarian theoretician. How could you not be running the Mises Institute? Uh, Tom Woods is, quite frankly, one of the most extraordinary public intellectuals uh, of our day who is gifted and, uh, and talented and educated in history as well as in economics. Sometimes I'm afraid to talk to Tom about economics because he knows so much more about it than I do. Uh, but the three of us who have worked together in many, many different functions advancing the ideas of human liberty are happy to be here today. So, gentlemen, welcome to Judging Freedom. I, I guess we got to start with the news of this afternoon which is that the Supreme Court, uh, Tom, this is a typical John Roberts uh, cut the baby in half uh, compromise, uh, invalidated the Department of Labor's mandate for vaccine or testing for all employers uh, of 100 or more employees, but upheld the Department of Health and Human Services similar mandate of vaccine with no option for testing and no exemptions whatsoever for everybody who works in healthcare that is uh, funded uh, largely by the federal government. Um, The the opinion stopping Joe Biden in its tracks was terrific and basically was Justice Neil Gorsuch saying, who decides, the president or the Congress? Who writes the laws in this country, Tom? Well, I guess with the the two cases, I guess the distinction that they were trying to make is whether or not the authority imposing the requirement had been granted some kind of statutory authority to do so. So the claim is that the secretary, I guess, of health and human services has long had uh, almost a plenary authority with regard to the administration of Medicare and Medicaid and attaching requirements to places that are receiving those types of money so that that they, so they upheld that for that reason, but they said that OSHA, by contrast, uh, which, as you're indicating, Judge, should not be making general public health decisions for the entire country, has not been understood to have a sweeping mandate, so to speak, to deal with matters of general public health, only of occupational safety. So I, I think that is a cogent argument, although I think, Judge, for people like the three of us here, the um, this kind of nitpicking over who has the authority to say what when is a little bit less bracing than say a good old-fashioned decision saying it's not really ultimately just a question of who but it's a question of what is being done I, i don't frankly care that much about who orders me to do something against my will it's the ordering 
of me to do something against my will that I care about primarily. And that is something I don't see constitutional authorization for. But even though the decision is not written the way I would ideally want it, I think this it, I think it's a major setback for the lizard people, which is what I call the you know, the, 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 the ruling <laughs> regime. And I'll take what I can get. Right. Right. Jeff, um, there's some great language. No surprise in uh, Justice Thomas's dissent. It's almost like going back to uh, constitutional law in law school. He's reminding the court, hey, guys, health, safety, welfare, and morality is reserved to the states, not to the federal government. Tom just described very nicely what the chief justice thinks of the federal statutes that empower HHS. I'm more concerned than I think Justice Thomas was, and I suspect you are, uh, Jeff, with what the Constitution says about it. Well, of course, sweeping police powers have always been reserved to the states. Uh, the federal government nor the federal agencies have any sort of uh, d uh, authority to be governing this sort of thing. I mean, I like Tom's point here, which is we, we don't really care about separation of powers, which are mostly thrown out by now. But what we do care about is federal authority. And if we're going to have the, you know, the constitutional rubric of a compelling state interest and in various tests, certainly this one, shutting down businesses of over 100 people unless everyone gets a COVID vaccine or a weekly test ought to fall under the kind of strict scrutiny test where the, the employer really has to show a compelling interest. I would argue there is no compelling state interest, certainly no compelling federal interest in this mandate, because I don't think the virus is that lethal. I don't think it's worth shutting down the world over. But, you know, all that said, what's so interesting, Judge, is that we look at the result. In other words, the legal reasoning, what the law actually says, what the administrative agency authorization really is. These are secondary concerns. We view the Supreme Court as results oriented, right. you know, winner take all uh, super legislature. And that's effectively what it is. I think that um, Justice Gorsuch, who probably is the most uh, libertarian leaning uh, of the nine uh, hit a very nice nail on the head, Tom, uh, when he said, and he said this before, uh, there's no public health exceptions in the Constitution. And, right. and fact, I think I, he's alluding to what you were talking about, which is there simply is no authority for anybody to tell you what to put in your body against your will. Right. So in his concurring opinion in the OSHA decision, he said, I have it actually up here on my screen. He says the federal, he's talking about the distinction between state and federal. We all remember Justice Sotomayor saying, I'm not sure I understand why the federal government might not have a power, but the states would. And uh, well, yeah, he, because in, in her, in her world, the federal government is a, is a general government that can legislate for anything. Right. Of course. But Gorsuch says the federal government's powers are not general, but limited and divided. Not only must the federal government properly invoke a constitutionally enumerated source of authority to regulate uh, in this area or any other, it must also act consistently with the Constitution's separation of powers. So he's got all he's got that stuff in there uh, in his in his concurring opinion. So that was refreshing to see. But as I say, I can I consider this mandate to be such an outrageous injustice that even if the court's uh, way of arguing is not as robust as I might have liked, as right. long as it overturns the mandate, I'm I'm pleased. So, Jeff, in New Jersey, uh, the legend, no, no surprise, the legislature gave Governor Murphy some of its authority and allowed him to craft laws and use the state police 
and various other aspects of the state government to enforce it. Profound violation of separation of powers. Anyway, that expired on Monday. He begged them to extend it. It's a new legislature, still controlled by the Democrats, but not as overwhelmingly as the one that ended on Monday. They said no. He thumbed his nose at them and declared a state of emergency, which automatically extends his powers by another 45 uh, days. Will this madness never end? Well, it's not perfect, but people can leave New Jersey a lot more easily than they can leave the United States. They don't have to learn a new language. They don't have to obtain a passport. And they're allowed to go back into New Jersey to visit their friends and family or loved ones or tend to their business or their property in a way that's harder to do on an international scale. So I do think the great migration we're seeing throughout the various 50 states since all the new COVID regimes went into place is a good thing and a healthy thing. I think it's uh, what the 10th Amendment prescribes for us. Uh, you know, I don't know a lot about Murphy other than he seems COVID crazed and there are states like Tom's home state of Florida, where uh, things are less crazed. So I think this is a fantastic experiment. I love it. I like to see these governors sniping at each other. I like to see a little bit of competition between states. And uh, I'm all for it. Let's have it. Let's, uh, let's see who has, uh, you know, bodies stacked up outside morgues uh, and who doesn't. And it turns out right. that no matter what you do with masks or schools or vaccines, it's pretty much the same. Uh, it really goes by age. Uh, more than anything else. That's the greatest determining factor uh, for uh, COVID mortality. So, uh, it, you know, if you're going to have the same fatalities either way, you might as well be open and free. So you're you're right. Uncle Ronnie Reagan used to say the beauty of our system is you can vote with your feet. Of course, when he said that, the feds, though bloated and expansive, weren't nearly as bloated and expansive as they are today. Before we get to another subject, I have to put this little uh, footnote in. More people left New Jersey in 2021 and moved to another state than left any other state. I'm saying to this to you while I'm in my home at the northwest tip of New Jersey, a state I was born in and raised in and for the most part of my life educated in and sat on the bench in. But it's just uh, it's terrible. How much longer do you think the federal government can be around, Tom, when it can't? pay its bills when some states are beginning to engage in soft nullification, like the state of Texas nullifying Roe versus Wade and the Supreme Court allowing them uh, to get away with it. And we know that numerous other states, Florida and South Dakota come to mind, are about to do nearly the same thing. Well, I'll tell you something, Judge. As a historian, all I have to do is be able to tell you what happened in the past. Predicting the future, I don't much care for because apparently I'm no good at it. When it came to <laughs> March 2020, I thought surely by the end of April, people are going to be up in arms about all this. Right? Right. You know, I thought for sure there'd be outrage. I thought even Hollywood actors, you know, would, despite their, their thirst for conformity, would have to say something. And man, was I wrong. So I, I don't know exactly. I can't give you a date. But I can say that what you're describing is going to happen de facto, is that people are we're, we're seeing people living two different kinds of lifestyles. I mean, I, I don't know what to say to people who are debating whether they should wear an N95 or a cloth mask or whatever. Yeah. They inhabit a completely different universe from me. And in terms of um, 
either whether it's the mask wearing or con or even at this stage complying with demands that they not attend events with more than 50 people for, you know, for heaven's sake you've done everything they've asked over and over and over repeatedly and you're still facing these restrictions and as you say jeff it doesn't really seem to do anything i mean i can understand why in march 2020 you might think that if we shut everything down and we do this or that and we impose this or that requirement that there'll be a noticeable difference but whatever difference there is doesn't seem to be particularly noticeable and yet you're still complying with it every time you see a sporting event or a concert i went to a concert in columbus ohio uh, last a month and a half ago twenty thousand capacity place didn't even require a, t a negative test to get in Tw Twenty thousand people almost nobody was wearing a mask and we just had a great old time and nothing came of it that would have been impossible in New Jersey. Uh, uh, no doubt. No doubt. But this is happening. That's the thing. Th there's an America where all this is happening. Right. And they seem to be doing perfectly okay. Eventually, it's just going to shake out. Who who cherishes life and wants to live? Well, if, if that's you, then unfortunately, it may come to the, to the, the, the result that you do have to uproot yourself from a place that may have tremendous sentimental value from you that you 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 envisioned raising your kids and playing with your grandkids in that state and you thought you know like like carol markowitz from from new york city who had defended new york and said yeah it's a crazy terrible political scene but it's such a wonderful place to live even she had to give up and move to florida it's wow. a very very sad thing i miss new york city very much but i couldn't possibly live there anymore yeah it's it's time to make some hard decisions Jeff, you uh, and I have spoken together about the idea of reversing the flow of power, not to Washington, but from uh, Washington. Uh, but but Tom's point is is scary because in certain parts of the country, the public has just bowed down and said, "Yes, Governor Murphy, yes, President Biden, yes, fill in the blank." A bureaucrat keep me keep me safe even if it's an illusion of safety uh, i'll give up my freedom true absolutely true but i think we'd like to isolate that wherever possible and i think we'd like to give people options and i do think a form of soft secession is happening i think it was happening before covid but i think it's been greatly accelerated by this i mean people are choosing to move to climbs which are more amenable to them, whether that's because of COVID restrictions, whether that's because of taxes or starting a business, whether that's because of weather, uh, it, it hardly matters because this is happening. It's happening uh, without any uh, design. We like that. It's happening just because people's uh, demonstrated preferences are more important than their stated preferences. Let's just say what they actually do. And in this case, moving with their feet. And let's, let's not forget, America today is largely an economic arrangement. It's barely a country, and it's certainly not much of a nation. I would argue that there are many, many nations within the United States. I live in SEC football nation, for example. That's as good of a cultural <laughs> marker as any other, right, to describe where I live. I so, live in an Italian-American yeah. nation, Tom. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You live in Pasta, New America. Jersey. <laughs> but, but, you know, I think we should celebrate this. I think uh regionalism is what we've got going for us now in this country and i think 330 million people essentially ruled by a few thousand people in washington dc or sometimes four or five supreme court justices is just a recipe for dysfunction and disaster so do you think we're going I, to know, break off do you think we're going to break off jeff into uh separate semi-autonomous uh countries 
I don't in the when, short when term. When the feds can't pay their bills and they can't yeah. employ people anymore? I, well, I think, I think when an economic shock comes, that would be the impetus. In other words, in 1984, if you'd been sitting in the former Soviet Union saying, hey, I think in five years, we're going to break up without a single shot fired and let Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia go. Uh, people would have said you were crazy. And, and I think they would have been right. You were crazy in 1984. In 1989, you weren't. And so I, I think the same thing applies to the United States. As long as we're economically viable, as long as our dollars are relatively strong, as long as our uh, distribution systems and food and all these and energy and uh, transportation and all these uh, uh, sort of blocking and tackling things work pretty well, then no, I think we won't. But uh, that day is going to come. So, Tom, put your economist uh, hat on. Are places like Florida, where you are, Texas, which thumbs its nose at the federal government, are they economically self-sufficient or potentially economically self-sufficient? Could they really sustain themselves without the rest of the country or, or with just treating the rest of the country as a trading partner? Well, I think they would still want to trade with the rest of the country, but there's some statistic where Florida recently had 25% of the new jobs created in the entire United States were all in Florida. And mm. that's an astonishing number. And what's more, I think if we're going to talk about the economy, we have to think about what are some of these blue cities doing to their economies. Now, my understanding is that the twin cities in Minnesota have now banded together to put together a, a, a temporary vaccine passport system where my understanding is that if you can't show proof of vaccination because you're under age five, you have to have a negative test. So your, your two-year-old has to have a negative test to go into a restaurant with you. That's not sustainable. No one's going to visit a place like that. Right. That's going to hurt them economically. Obviously, New York City, the Broadway shows that we're all familiar with, cannot survive on New York traffic alone. They Correct. can't survive on domestic traffic alone. They require right. international traffic. And most of these places do not have vaccination for five-year-olds. So they are all destroying themselves little by little. And I know there are some dopes in New York who think, well, I'm glad we don't have so many tourists around. It's not as crowded. Well, nice for you, but not nice for everybody whose business relies on that kind of traffic. So I think they're shooting themselves in, a, in the foot, and there's likely to be a, a renaissance in the red cities. So our uh, dear friend and mentor to the three of us, uh, the great Lou Rockwell, uh, in, uh, channeling his best James Madison has argued that the president should just be a, a figurehead who makes sure that the wheels of a small federal government work. He shouldn't be telling us how to live and telling us what to wear and telling us where to go and expressing an opinion on everything under the sun. He shouldn't be able to spend money uh, on his own. Is that a pipe dream? Jeff? It is now because of the 20th century. The unitary executive is now firmly in place. I would love to live in an America where Congress, the makeup of Congress mattered far more than who the president was or who right. the members of the Supreme Court were. I would love that. I think, And, and that's uh, what the framers expected as well. Absolutely. These are the people most accountable to us every two years in the House anyway. And so I think they ought to be declaring war. I think they ought to be setting policy. I think uh, presidents should campaign not on their policies. They're not supposed to have policies. They should campaign on simply their managerial competence. I, I guess I'll have to uh, live a while to see that day, though. Tom, is this a pipe dream or is it going to happen while the three of us are alive? Well, I'm older than both of you combined, but... <laughs> 
Well, what could happen is that the president, because th these people, uh, they're all narcissists. They can't keep their opinions to themselves, but maybe they utter their opinions and nobody cares. Right. So, for example, you'll recall earlier, early in 2021, Joe Biden was saying that maybe by Independence Day, vaccinated families might be able to have small gatherings at their homes. Meanwhile, the rest of the country is planning big Fourth of July barbecues. Right. It, it, didn't, it didn't mean anything to them. So he's yapping away, but it didn't mean anything. But it's it's what Jeff says about the 20th century is correct. The very beginning of the 20th century, in 1903, Teddy Roosevelt, who is beloved by Democrats and Republicans, which is how you can tell he's a bad guy. If Mitt right. Romney likes him and Bill Clinton likes him, he's right. got to be a bad guy. Right. And John Teddy McCain's Roosevelt, hero. Right. 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 Yeah. He He's Bill Clinton's favorite Republican president, he said. Well, he had a summit. It might seem like a small thing, but he had a summit at the White House to, to deal with the question of college football being too rough Ugh. and there are too many injuries occurring. I forget where that's in the Constitution, Tom. Right, of course. Now, <laughs> of course, he's entitled to his personal opinion on that matter, but it would never have occurred to James Madison that he has to, to stick his nose in anything like that. But this led into this expectation that the president is this larger-than-life celebrity figure with opinions on everything, and we need to know what his golf handicap is, and all this weird superstition. You know, about, and this leads to these days people saying, this is, don't you disobey my president. Thomas Jefferson did not want you talking like that. You know, that's right. the way a slave talks. Right, right. Gentlemen, we can do this all afternoon. Thank you very much for your time. Those watching should know the three of us are the best of friends. And it's a joy for me to work with both of you. We'll do it again soon on Judging Freedom. All the best. Thank you, Judge.